Hello, Imaginary here, and welcome to today's episode of Me and My Imaginary Friends, the podcast, where we're all about promoting positivity and self-love, all while we're talking, you know, playing video games, or doing art, you know, all that kind of jazz. Today's featured conversation is all about... Nostalgia. The science, specifically, and like the history of it, of nostalgia. As you can see, here with me today is my co-host, Frosty. Oh, would you like to say hi? How are y'all doing? Okay, <laughs> I was gonna be like, <laughs> I don't think they can see the salute. But, alright, uh, yes, and today's question of the day sponsor is actually Twitch. Yeah, uh, we, uh, Twitch. Yeah, we, we do a lot of, like, uh, hanging out, we do art there, just play games, and just whatever we want to do, and just kind of have fun doing it. Remember, if you like today's podcast and would like to participate in the next one, you can always follow and, you know, join our Discord server where we'd like to shoot the shit and maybe plan out what topic we're going to be talking about next. Today's That's question right. of the day is, what is your favorite video game growing up? Uh, let's get right to it. Frosty, what was your favorite video game growing up? Oh, that's tough, actually. What is that? Like, Final Fantasy, Zelda, all kinds of games. I mean, like, I, I feel Can't... like there, there's a couple of games where, like, you can Chrono maybe, like, put it in... You could put it into like a, a a group, maybe like I'm noticing there's a lot of like RPGs, especially JRPGs. Like right? Definitely. Those so, are the ones that had the most impact. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember like hanging out at your house and then lit- literally doing nothing. It'd be just like a weekend and like that'd be that'd be a good weekend where we're just kind of like hanging out. Maybe I'm playing on your Game Boy or something and I'm playing like Sonic Battle while you're playing like this guy or Persona 4 or like uh, what what other games would right. you be playing? Like, uh, Digimon World Three. I think that actually that one we played at my house quite a bit as well. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, holy shit. I mean, I mean, we like change it up. Maybe sometimes we get into like a a fighting game like Tekken. Who knows? Tekken Three, Tekken Tag. Tekken Tag. Oh my god, that shit was crazy. I always loved like the super light. I, I never liked the heavy guy characters because it always felt like, you know, um, <laughs> it's too cumbersome to do any punches. But, like, I just didn't understand the concept yeah. of doing combos. Right? Whereas, uh, you know, female characters, they don't have as much power, but it's, uh, you know, they are they don't have as much lag as well. It's essentially like the idea of Sheik in Smash Bros. Yeah, speed yeah. is the way to go. Okay, so what other games did you actually uh, love growing up? Because I remember like uh, we played quite a bit. Uh, not oh, only Digimon so World Three, but we kind of played like quite a bit of one as well. And I think you guys having like the toys and <laughs> all the like the D threes, like the Digivices, all that kind of like. Lent. I remember those days. Yeah, dude, do you still have those? Those things are, like, worth a lot now. I wish I did. What? What happened to them? gone missing, I don't know. Oh, no! Oh, <laughs> shit. Dude, all that stuff was great. I loved, like, the little Agumon and, like, the Gabumons that would turn into, like, Garurumons and Gurumons. You just kind of, oh, like... Yeah. It's like those a little Transformer cool. things. They still sell those, by the way. They're, like, crazy expensive, but they sell them. And, like... 
I mean, I, I don't know if you like... see, but like I've been collecting a little bit of Digimon myself. None of those are bought yeah. by me. Maybe like these two, the Funkos. Okay, right. if you buy the Digivices, they're super expensive. Yeah, I bought the uh, the Tamagotchi ones, which I realized was a bad idea because they beep like a motherfucker, and like also <laughs> <laughs> like like I didn't know how to turn it off. So in order to turn it off, I literally had to kill the Digimon, which I just felt super bad. And then I and then like <laughs> months down the line, I was just like, oh, there's a function for because like th this was a problem. Like people would like play it and it would be like super loud and then you know sometimes it would ring at school and then they would get taken so what they did was implement a system where you can actually turn it off and pick it up when you actually you know um when you start playing again and now i feel really bad for killing this like little <laughs> digital creature oh well i'm sorry i'm sorry agumon no it was a betamon it was a betamon my agumon died it became an egg. It became an egg, and it became a Betamon, which, by all means, is like a super cool Digimon, and doesn't get enough oh, yeah. appreciation. Just, just. Oh, it's been treated better these now. days. Though. I mean, like, I, I don't know. If, I, I'm not. If you're a fan, that is. I'm just thinking, like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of like the new, like, whatever that Mike Digimon is. The, from the Cross Wars anime. I don't know if I would consider him new anymore. I mean, probably not. Like, there's probably newer like, ones. That's like, like ten years ago. That's not ten, ten years, ago, years ago. No. I'm no, I'm, I'm serious. Ho hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a computer right in front of me. That is not 2010, ten years ago. man. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up, hold. Wait, wait. Hold. That is ten years, man. To me, that literally just came out like last year or something. <laughs> Two, 2010. Where the fuck does that's this? Right go off being 10 years old i literally i've never maybe it's because i've never seen it and i stopped after i tried watching the fourth season and that to me is still it, fairly new it's uh, like, underrated the fourth season i'd say uh it gets a lot of hate because you know furries but like you know the furry community seems to be getting a lot more like huzzah just because like it's got some cool concepts i, I still kind of feel weird how like the one girl is still like it, like when she turns into a Digimon, she still has like a bra and panties on. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> no. First it's off, it's kind of weird. First off, she's underage, so no, that should not be a thing. Don't don't when she turns into a Digimon, don't draw her in these scantily clad things. <laughs> Bad Japan, stop it. Don't don't do that, but also like at the same time like I don't I I don't know like to me Digimon was always like a pet okay okay let me rephrase that it's 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 changed now it's 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 different my my mentality is different because my idea yeah, of sense. Digimon is different because of the word uh, evolution right because they evolve yep. they digivolve right. So, um, when you have someone like Agumon, right, very clearly not a, I don't know, or Gatumon, Ga Ga Gatumon, Gatumon is like the cat Digimon, she's, uh, all Digimon are genderless, but like, they all have like, voice actors that traits. make them sound either like guys or girls, 
and they got and, and they get treated like guys or girls, right? So like it it's, depends on the influence. Yeah, exactly. So if you have like a girl sounding Digimon, then most likely it will be gendered as a girl, right? Yeah. But from what I know, even till now, Digimon are genderless. So to me, that they that is they, correct. they all kind of seem like pets, right? But what gets fucky and what kind of screws with like the idea is the fact that like you know they digivolve into these human-like creatures like almost every single one of them become human right because you know you get like digimon like gilmon who is this like red dinosaur up until he's like an ultimate form and then immediately he becomes like a gallant knight literally with the name gallantmon is it gallantmon or or Sorry? In Japan, he's named Dukemon, which might make more oh, sense. Oh, yeah, Dukemon, Dukemon, yeah. Either yeah, way, it's, cool. it's still, like, a human, right? Then you get, uh, then you get Digimon, like, I don't know, uh, uh, Gatomon. Very, very heavily sexualized to becoming Anjouman. Literally, the word woman is in the name. Yep. I mean, same with Padamon becoming Anjumon. Having man, like, uh, angel man, right? That's the name. Yep. They also get like Devilwoman and Lilithmon. L- literally, a lot of megas are these crazy humanoid figures. And I have to tell you right now, there's a lot, I mean, a lot of like art that depicts them in like a very sexualized manner. And you're like, I don't Some know. Some of it is even official. Is it what 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 are you talking about? Some of the card art. Uh, no. Let me see. I think it's like cr- Crusader. Or, uh, <laughs> I wish oh, I was joking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Crus- go on Wikimon, you'll find out. Cru- you mean you mean Crusadermon, right? Like, like Crusadermon is a female knight, very much like Galantmon, right? Lord Nightmon is can be both. There's depictions where it's male or female. Lord Nightmon? Yep. You won't see any fancy oh, no, no, yeah, that's, that that's Yeah, Lord Nightmon is a uh, Crusadermon. Okay, yes. so that makes sense. And then the, there's Sakuyamon for Renamon, who is already yep. a sexualized Digimon. There's another from the version. the very beginning, which is kind of weird. But at the same time, I guess you <laughs> understand furries. Sure. Search Miko mode. What's Mika mode? <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> Hold on, let me just give me a second. Miko. Sur- search Crusader. Okay, go on Wikimon. That's like the best place to to look for Digimon. Cru- so. uh, for Crusadermon, Miko mode, right? No, uh, Sakuyamon. Uh, Sakuyamon. Okay, Sakuyamon. Hold on. Yeah. Give me a second. Saku. <laughs> you better not be leading me to porn, man. Like. I'm not, man. Uh, that's just. Look at the Crusader cards. Uh, uh, I mean, it looks cool. I, I, okay, it's it's the thing is that it looks cool. It looks like it's actually like very influenced by Japanese culture, right? She literally looks like uh, Kikyo from fucking Inuyasha with like a mask yeah. on. That's the that, that, that's it. That's what she looks like. And her baffles, though. Holy crap! They just <laughs> the canonized version of her has her baffles out, and you're just like. 
Excuse me. Sorry. So, okay. I, I, I had to do, like, a full, like, halt 180. I was just like, okay, wait. I got I got to stop this for my own sanity because that is clearly human. But, like, obviously, before that, they're, you know, Saku, uh, or Renamon is uh, not a human. Right? Definitely not. So you're like, okay, well, where's where's the line where it becomes human and not human? Because she becomes more animal in Cubimon, in Cubi meaning fox, right? And again, more human-like in the next version. I forgot what the Taumon. And then it becomes more human that than that because she literally has a human face with just with just the mask. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's actual obvious, you know human-like yeah, references in, like lilithmon or like rosemon yeah God, if you look Rose at the Mon's link i just sent you'll see you'll go what what even what's design <laughs> uh lilithmon but like if you look at the collector's card oh yeah no i know Lil I, I, okay i don't know about the collector's card but li lilithmon <laughs> but i know but, but i know about lilithmon she's just like like you know, uh, the internet's big titty goth girl, or big big yep. titty goth girlfriend. In a nutshell. Pretty much, Th that's that's her whole aesthetic, and I kind of love it. I'm 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 not gonna lie, I'm kind of into goth. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad design. No, it's fantastic. It looks really cool. She looks like a uh, uh, that girl from Final Fantasy X. Lilith. Yeah. I think is that her name. Now that you say it, now that you say it, makes sense. Final Fantasy Ten. I forgot what her name is, but like, um, yeah, that girl, Lulu. Lulu was her name. Yeah, that. Now that you say it. And I was just like, I see it. Yeah, I like this girl. <laughs> That's the. Can't be taken back now. <laughs> I mean, she's a, she's at least human, right? So okay, yeah. I, I, as I was saying, okay, so there is a distinction between like what's Digimon, which is treated as a pet, versus what versus what's, uh, I mean, I, I mean to be fair, none of them are actually treated like pets, except maybe Gilmon because he doesn't really seem to be that smart, but um, they they're all treated like partners, they're all treated like equals, right? Like that's the cool thing yes. about Digimon. They're not just like go Pikachu, you're my like cockfighting rooster right they're just like no i'm gonna fight <laughs> with you i mean tai is pretty useless like especially as aguman evolves further but like you know as he tries to fight with him even if you know he's just doing like little punches i think that kind of helps to like you know with the power of friendship makes them stronger or makes Gr greymon or more greymon stronger which is always like a really really cool idea for me but i keep digressing I guess I changed because the word evolve was in the name Digivolve, right? So it's kind of like them right. further, like furthering their evolution in the chain. And at one point, they just become human because dinosaurs just kind of fell off the earth and boom, now we're populated mostly by humans. Or the world was mostly powered by human ingenuity and all that, so... Hence, the mega level is always, or almost always, a some sort of human. I don't know. That's correct. Anyways, we got into that whole nostalgic topic, which is great because I wasn't thinking like. I mean, okay, this is kind of like, how we got started. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so be, I was thinking like um, Frosty here. 
wanted <laughs> to actually uh, talk about nostalgia. Uh, is there any like uh, opening statements you wanted to talk about? Like anything you wanted to say specifically? Not really. Just like nostalgia is important. Important. Like, how many of us could say that? Like we don't care about the past. Like the past drives the future forward. Oh, for sure. I mean, like kind of, I'm, kind of leads but, us to what where we what we want to be. I mean, it depends on like what kind of past you had, right? Because like I was kind of thinking about it. Like I, I was talking with Nan about this, and uh, I mean, like really, what's the difference between nostalgia and trauma? They're both memories. They're both derived from memories of the past, and they both kind of drive your decisions in the future. We'll get into more of like the decisions right. and like how these little like memories can affect your future, like your decision making processes in the future. But uh, I was thinking like, what's the difference between them? I mean, obviously trauma is very bad, something bad that happens to you and that causes you to have a bad association with the past, right? Hence you True. want to try to avoid that as much as possible. Whereas uh, nostalgia always seems to be a good feeling. They always kind of, you always feel good about revisiting a previous memory or a previous feeling that you've once experienced, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, history lesson here. Oh, wow. My, my arm's just kind of like... <laughs> history. Yeah. Uh, nostalgia was actually uh, derived from two words. Nostos and algos, right? Nostos right. meaning homecoming or returning to home, and algos meaning a longing, like a deep longing or pain, right? Put those two together, it's a deep longing and a pain for wanting to go home, wanting to return back to uh, a better time, whence, from whence you came. Which is super cool, right? And uh, it was actually derived, it was created by a psychologist in the 1860s, I believe. No, wait, um, is it 1860s? Hold up. Hold up, holla, holla, holla. Yeah, I believe it was, it also came from like... Switzerland. Oh, wait, what was that? It actually came from Switzerland. So yeah, that's right. Here's from doctorsreview.com. A Swiss medical student Johann Hoffer, born 1669, and you know he died in 1752, was the first to prove that yes, you can go home again. Although, although home might be soon a an insane asylum. So essentially, he was a medical student, and he was working at a university, and there was a war going on at the time, and he realized that there's, Correct. you know, all these soldiers that are leaving. You know, uh, they go out to like a foreign land, maybe they go to like Germany or somewhere and without having anything physically harm them. And this is before like the idea of post-traumatic um, stress disorder, right? Like I think that was developed around World War One or World War Two. So, um, right. And, you know, it was much more of an epidemic during World War Two, I believe, or at least after that. But um, there was a war going on, and Switzerland was in it. And during the war, without having anything physically harm them, they started having like nightmares. They'd start having like indigestion problems. They'd have fatigue. They'd have insomnia, irregular heartbeats. Right? They'd start having fevers, and they were so very strong that they ended up calling it a disease way, way back in the time. 
So what happened was that uh, at the same time, obviously, Johann Hoffer coined this term. He was getting a whole bunch of these soldiers that would come in and like nothing would cure them. Nothing would actually cure them. But the moment the idea of like, oh, we got to let them go home. We can't actually treat them. They're not getting any better. The moment the idea of going home was an option, they started getting a lot better, right? And they were like, what the hell happened? Why are you getting better? It's just like, I, I don't know. I just am. So essentially what happened was, it was still kind of like a taboo thing to have, like this nostalgia thing. If you were diagnosed with nostalgia, you were thought to have a mental disorder. Now we know it's differently. Now it's more of a an emotional one, right? And it doesn't have to be specific to them. But like the reason why it was specifically a Swiss thing is because they thought Switzerland specifically had a very, very different atmosphere to a point where they thought like maybe the soldiers not having the same kind of cattle milk meat or water or maybe just in the the same elevation right maybe them fighting down below where not where the mountains are kind of caused them to be in like shock so what the generals would do was just like hey stop feeding them uh swiss food stop uh, listening to swiss music don't wear swiss traditional uniforms and they're like i, I guess that kind of helps i mean like you can't really feel nostalgic for something you don't really see and you don't have reminders of so they just kind of <laughs> helped but if you were discharged that meant you had like a mental illness and then you would have to be sent home hence maybe like if you were sent home that was still taboo because you're like oh well now there's something wrong with you yeah it's kind of fucked. What do you think about that? Like, that was like the actual history of like this whole word, like how it came yeah. to be. Like, although I believe the origin is from it's one of uh, Homer's poems, his famous poem. I don't think they actually had a word for it yet. I mean, like they had the two like words that oh, come yeah, together. Yes, yeah, yeah, like nostos but, and algos. And I need to talk about like the two together. Going and... home because it was like Odysseus who got captured or whatever. Right, yes. Oh, actually, and, I did not know about that. That's, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know about Odysseus being captured and stuff. Uh, would you like to expand upon that? I believe I have a... Let me see. Sure. Like, I'd actually, like, want to know and, like, present the right information. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Oh, uh, all this information, by the way, is going to be, um, like, in the descriptions. If you guys ever want to read up about it. It's actually a very interesting subject, so by all means. Oh, it's the Odyssey. Is, is that? Got That's Socrates, good. right? Yeah, that's Socrates. I believe it's Homer. Oh, it's oh, is it Homer? Yeah, it is Homer. It's like a it talks about like the Greek hero Odysseus and like he went to war like with the Trojan right. War, right? Right. For ten years. I was thinking, and then, uh, like, what did uh, Socrates write? No, Socrates never wrote anything. It was his student Homer that actually wrote it for him. Yes, that's that's right. Boom, gotcha. So the, the point is, like, he went to war. They thought he was dead. Mm. There were people who wanted to like remarry his wife because they thought he was dead. Okay. And then he was captured by like a sea nymph by the name of uh, Calypso, and she wouldn't let him go. So he's like, no matter what she did, he kept saying, "I have the longing to go home and see my family." I actually did not know. I guess like. So it's kind of interesting. It's interesting that they didn't actually create a word for it. They already had the two words. It was nastos and algos. But if they can convey it without having to put those two words together. Because I guess uh, this wasn't like a... I mean, who doesn't get nostalgic? Everyone gets nostalgic. You know, when there's a war happening and, you know, you need your men at 100% tip-top shape. 
but you can't, essentially, you need to diagnose the reason why. And hence, you know, this word came out there like, oh, you have nostalgia. You have a mental illness now. You have to go home and you have to take care of yourself because you're clearly fucked up. And they're like, Oh shit, I don't want to have nostalgia. That is terrible. Right. It was treated as a negative thing back then. Yeah, and I think even like they like it, it, they treated it on the same level as they did depression, which is weird because like only now we're treating depression as like an actual disease and even still some places in the world like <coughs> America. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um still even in you know certain places in the world they don't actually think it's an actual thing. Like, oh yeah, you can always overcome it. There's nothing that you should worry about. But yeah, here's a couple of notes. They always thought it was like a longing to go to the past. And, you know, it's the idea of, like, not being able to let go of childhood or being able to return to a fetal state. Before, it used to be just homesickness. Specifically with Switzerland, right? right? They thought it was specifically a Switzerland thing because, like, the whole, like, the Alps and, like, them not being up there and, like, the environment changing. But once this research was out, a whole bunch of other people are like, no, I'm seeing this over here as well. So, you know, they realize it's not just a Swiss thing. It was, like, a universal. Everyone wants to feel like they're returning home but we kind of see it as like a pleasant poignant experience i actually saw a video by uh i'm gonna butcher his name i'm sorry mamadou nadiaye from seeker and he postulates essentially nostalgia is kind of like a stabilizing force that allows to actually have a personal sense of continuity allows us to track the growth through anecdotes like through our experiences and always have that euphoric feeling about the past. Vsauce, uh, Michael, Michael from Vsauce here, uh, actually <laughs> says that, like, how do we remember all these feelings, right? Like, every five years, five, maybe seven years, our cells actually die and then get reborn into something new. By the time five to seven years is up, you would have been a completely different person because all those cells that made you up previously in those five to seven years would have already died and been flushed out yep, of your system. They're recycled, basically. No, 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 not recycled. It's out of your system. It's actually gone. It's dead. Yeah. It's outside in the earth it's right like now. It's like a rebirth of sorts. The reason I think we keep all these, obviously the brain copies yeah. memories into each cell. So it's not like those memories die once those cells die. No, they recreate those memories. You which would is, think that they'd go too. I guess that's the that's part of the science of it. Like it's not yeah. as these are all theories by the way so it's not as uh fully established yet or at least when the rest of our bodies are flushed and we create new cells and new memories we're trying to recreate and we're trying to copy memories from our old selves but obviously it's kind of like using the same marker over and over and over again it's not going to have the same amount of impact right maybe the first couple of times you're running and you're, you're just kind of drawing it's going to be really, really strong, but as you use it up, it's not going to be as clear or as consistent or it's going to be a little fady. I think that's the way our memories work. It tries to recopy these old memories that we had. It's just that because we're recopying it ourselves and we're not experiencing it as a new, it's more of like we're doing a poor job of trying to recopy and re- remember all those feelings and all those memories, which is a kind of like a very pessimistic way of looking at it. It's very sad the way you think about it. <laughs> Because you're like, oh no, that's I don't true. want to lose all these memories. But that's kind of like what happens with age, yeah, right? Like, Unless you want to like actually have like Parkinson's disease where like you don't retain anything. So you, everything is completely new the entire time. No, sorry, not Parkinson's. Uh, What's that word? That means you 
keep forgetting. Uh, I want to say Alzheimer's. But... Alzheimer's. Uh, maybe there is a, a scientific like reasoning to what causes Alzheimer's. Maybe that'll be another thing. We'll, we'll go into Alzheimer's. But like you don't retain any of the memories that you have. I think there's like certain like neurons that in your brain that don't fully settle and like let you digest information or let your brain digest information. Hence, it always feels like every single new memory that you make is a new one. Clay Ruth Routledge, Christina Roylands, and Andrew A. Abeda says, okay, this is from where, you know, uh, I looked into the research that Mamadou looked into and it is like a stabilizing force. Like it's what causes us to be okay with where we are right now or else we just kind of be constantly pa be panicking like what's happening where am i going like because it's a stabilizing force it causes us to relax and not constantly like freaking out it's interesting where he actually goes with this like he actually has like a personal like anecdote like we went on to the research in his video but mamadou postulates that like uh, some people in our americas now like the people in america right now specifically right. the states I say Americas because, like, I think Canada, Mexico, States, yep. and literally this side of the continent. I mean, like, everywhere around the world. But, like, the States, as it, in, as it is right now, have the idea of the 50s being, like, the golden age. And that being, like, the idea that's, like, oh, that's, like, the perfect time, right? Like, oh, my God, if we can always just go back to that time, it'd be perfect. And, you know, no one would be complaining. The thing is, back then... Still pretty racist, yeah, right? I'd say it was and actually really cool because I went into like a whole bit of like tangential relearning. You know, when you go from oh, yeah, Wikipedia yeah. article from one thing to another to another to another, I went down the rabbit hole. Oh, nice. So I was just like, <laughs> oh shit, like what the fuck is he talking about? Essentially, he postulates that like with the power actually being held by white America on white Americans, he says that that power that they had it brought upon stuff like diners pez and bandstands it's those tv shows that actually have like those kids yeah, yeah, dancing yeah. I know what you mean. right they're just like Woo, we're cool and awesome but at the same time during that time you get a lot of minorities specifically black people i mean like there's also like asians as well but like you get a lot of black people just yeah. still living under the jim crow laws which stayed there for another 15 years I think Jim yeah, Crow laws were time. demolished around 1965. That is kind of fucked. And, uh, I mean, like, I went into the whole tangential learning thing, so I thought I'd go into that just to illustrate the political spectrum that we have right now. Right. Um, I, I mean, like, what are Jim Crow laws? Here's Wikipedia's definition for it. Jim Crow laws were state and local laws that enforced racial segregation in the southern parts of the U.S. So you get, like, Texas, New Mexico, all those, like, southern parts enforcing this law and after slavery has been abolished these laws were enacted in the late 19th you know that's the you know 18 xyz yeah. in 16 1865 i believe to early 20th century up to about 100 years of jim crow laws by white southern democrats specifically democrat dominated state legislators which is interesting. So it's very interesting, honestly. The idea that like all these racists used to vote Democrats before they started voting Republican. So these uh, legislatures were used to disenfranchise and remove political and economic gain made by Black people during the Reconstruction era. 
And what's the reconstruction area, you may ask? Well, <laughs> Frosty, see, this is like the, the rabbit hole that I was talking yes. to you about, which is fucking crazy. I was just like, oh, this is so cool, but like, I holy mean, shit, it, this it is, is fucked. It is interesting. I mean, that's kind of what we're like drawn to history. Yeah, I mean, what happened after 1965? Okay, well, they can't actually segregate people now, so what did they start doing? They started redlining people. Like, that's when yep. they have, like, certain communities, they can't, they won't say, like, oh, no, you can't join our communities because of X, Y, Z. They, they started making districts of people of, like, here's the black district, and here's the white district. All minorities, everyone goes into the black district, and then all the white people go into, like, the suburbs and all that kind of stuff. None of the money would go into the black districts and this was caused by an actual red line drawn in the map so like the red line was like yeah. the border so none of the funding none of the taxes were helping out those black communities whereas all the white communities were actually being you know oh yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll exempt that from your taxes oh yeah no no that's fine that's fine you just build up this home that's fine that's cool and a lot of black people and other minorities like Mexicans and like, or sorry, uh, yeah, a lot of the Hispanic people, it's not just Mexicans, but like, yeah, uh, other Hispanic people, maybe even Asians, weren't allowed to buy houses in these white neighborhoods because they maybe understood the idea that, oh, well, in these black communities, it might not be as well funded. So they were literally kept there by the same powers that also powered the white community up, being like, oh, yeah, well, you have all these communities hopping up being raised so going back to the reconstruction era what's the reconstruction era this is another wikipedia definition by the way the reconstruction area was a period in american history that lasted between 1863 to 1877 following the american civil war which was between 1861 to 1865 and is a significant chapter in the history of america civil rights Reconstruction ended the remnants of the Confederation, secession, I think that's the word, and abolished slavery, making newly freed slaves citizens with civil rights. Ostensibly, okay, I didn't know what this word meant, but apparently, <laughs> uh, do you know what that word means? I used to not know. I no, no, no. to carry on. Yeah, so, okay, I, I literally just looked it up. I was like, Okay, what does this word ostensibly mean? Because like I keep seeing it around. I was like, okay, what does that yeah. word mean? Apparently, it means apparently, but not actually. So it's like yeah. they're saying something, but they're not actually following through with it. Like, oh yeah, you guys are free. You guys are totally free, but not really. But yeah, there's always a. I'm sorry, no. A fine line. We don't wanna, yeah, we don't, we don't want to give you all those powers. Print. I mean, like you guys are citizens of the states now, but we don't consider you citizens. Because that's exactly how the southern government saw all of these newly freed uh, citizens, right? So, um, Reconstruction ended the remnants of the Confederation secession and abolished slavery, making newly freed slave citizens with civil rights ostensibly guaranteed by the Confederate States as directed by Congress and the rule of the United States in that transformation. So Congress says, yeah, don't do that anymore. Let them go, right? You're not allowed to own actual human lives. But yeah, holy shit, that's fucked. Like, they realized <laughs> they couldn't actually, you know, keep slaves anymore. So what did they do? They just didn't give them power in anything. They literally were just like, 
Oh, yeah, no, that thing you wanted to do? Nope, sorry, you can't do that. Oh, no, the reason you why? Oh, sorry, it's because we only, uh, it, you live in this neighborhood. Sorry, you have to be in this neighborhood to do that. Oh, you want to move to this neighborhood? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're already full. <laughs> that's fucked! I want to slam my desk, but that's just going to cause a whole bunch of, like, noise, but, like, <laughs> wow! US be fucked! That's history. Well, hopefully we never go back to that. I mean, like, a lot of these powers are still in play today. Yeah, right? definitely. That's kind of nuts. Ridiculous. I don't know. That's the definition that Mamodou from Seeker actually described. It was it was a lot like simpler. It's a like, very interesting read. Yeah. Oh no, no, it was a video. But like he he was just like, hey. Well, I'm just talk about like you know articles of the Wikipedia even. Yes. Yes. Oh God. Oh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I I literally just like sat there. I had like speech to text because I couldn't actually like read <laughs> while I was working today. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was working, I'd just be like, oh, my God, what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit, this is fucked. Like, it's so crazy to me how none of that was taught in schools. Right. Also, okay, this is something I learned from TikTok. Did you know about, like, the Tulsa massacre? I've heard of the name, but I really don't know anything about it. So, Just okay. that it was, like, an awful event. Okay, so essentially what happened was in... I think it was Tulsa, Oklahoma. They heard a white woman screaming from a distance about something. They didn't know what it was, but they immediately oh, blamed. Okay. I, yeah. yeah, they immediately blamed seen the movie. a black man right. for going out and raping this woman. And nothing's yep. happened to her. Nothing actually has happened to her. I think she just like was just about to run up, be run over by a car or something. I forgot what the actual detail was. But no black people were involved. What they did was they took like planes and all that kind of stuff started shooting people down like in the richest black community out there and that wasn't ever taught in schools nope it's fucked um yeah here the tulsa mass the tulsa race massacre also called the tulsa race riot right the greenwood massacre the black wall street massacre or the tulsa program took place on May 31st and June 21st or June 1st of 1921 when mobs of white residents many of them deputized and given weapons by the city officials attacked black residents and businesses of the Greenwood district in Tulsa Oklahoma it has been called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history the attack carried out on the ground from private planes and destroyed more than 35 square blocks of district at that time the wealthiest black community in the states known as black wall street more than 800 people were admitted to hospitals and as many as 6,000 black residents were interned in large facilities many of them for several days the oklahoma bureau of vital statistics recorded 63 dead and in a 2001 state commission examination of events was able to confirm 36 dead of 26 black people and 10 white people. Based on the contemporary autopsy reports, death certificates, and other records. Um, oh my god, that's there's even more. The commission gave overall estimates of 75 to 100 deaths. Oh, from, from 75 to 100 to 150 to 300 dead. So minimum maybe 75 people, maximum 300. 
in a small district in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's crazy. Fuck. <laughs> All right, so history tangent over. Why? Why is that important? Well, like American history and like American history books, only the good things about American history were said. Only specifically white that's, accomplishments were uh, history mentioned history. in history books, right? From what I've been seeing on TikTok, the Tulsa race massacre was never in their history books, which should be a thing, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure there's shocking. a lot of things in our Canadian history books that were just like, wow, why didn't we actually oh, ever hear, read about this? This is fucked. I, I guess that's a topic for another day. But Mamadou Nadiaye says that not everyone has the same good old days, right? Like, the times that were good for you was probably, like, terrible for someone else. Right. Uh, I'm directly quoting him. If the people in power of the country base their idea of the good old days, it's possible that they'll omit people's narratives altogether. So, like, someone says, oh, no, 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 this is good. What are you talking about? No, this thing happened? No, that, that, that totally didn't happen. It's because it didn't happen to me. No, I had a, I thought I totally had a good experience back in the 1950s because it doesn't align with their agenda, right? It doesn't right. align with the idea, well, that's true these days the, the reality of the world, right? And because of that, you know, because because now they're you know trying to, I guess, idealize the past. Oh, it was great. Now they're trying to make the past the present, right? So now they're trying to bring back a whole bunch of super antiquated ideas. And bring it back to now because to them it was good but it wasn't good for anybody else it's nostalgia for them but it's not good for the whole so because exactly. they have all these great memories of the 50s of course they have nothing to complain about they had like uh diners and being like hey you know like yeah. they always had like snappy fingers or like they had grease right i don't know if that was set in the 50s but i believe so i think uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm a check. <laughs> uh, set... Is that confirmation? Greece set in yeah. Greece takes place in the United States in the 50s. Most obvious clue is the name of the musical in Danny Zuko's gang, the Greasers, which both refer to a subculture that originated in the 50s. That's from Romper.com, by the way. So that's kind of like an observation that they made. They had that whole culture of like. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Hey, Sandy! How you doing today? So, they had nothing to complain about, whereas, you know... Right, and a lot on the other like, side, it was, like, completely different. Exactly. Wow, sorry, I just kind of went on to, like, a fucking crazy rant. <laughs> um, how about we take a little bit of a break? We'll be back, and, uh... Yeah, um... Wow, history's fucking crazy, right? It's also very interesting. Yeah, holy oh. shit. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'll see you guys. Take we'll a break guys, here, guys. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a bit. Peace. And we're back to me and my imaginary friends. I actually wanted to say one last thing before we left, but like, I kind of needed to use the washroom. <laughs> But right. a lot of the here. nostalgia for like those past experiences, like maybe like you get a lot of kids being like, oh, well, I was born in the wrong time. I love the music of like 1950s, <laughs> 1940s, 1960s. Like, I love that music. I should have been born then. 
kid, no, you fucking don't. Like, I used to be that way. I, I still love jazz and swing music. I'm happy to live in the world we live in now, just because... Same. One, no one's actively trying to kill me, at least in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the U.S. is much worse. Yeah, the U.S. is kind of like a different story. We take like rest. Yeah, but at the same time, like, <laughs> we have all this technological progress, and I know I would have been, like, really, really bored. And with the amount of power that I was allowed to have... Me, as an actual person of color, would have never probably amounted to a lot. Not saying much now, but I have that freedom to do so, right? If I actually wanted to, or if I, if maybe I guess if I put myself in a position of like, okay, well, I'm just going to buckle down and go for it, then maybe I have that freedom to be, you know, like super rich or super famous and all that kind of things, right? So uh, the word for that kind of like nostalgic feeling is anamoya, right? N-A-E-M-O-I-A. And that in the dictionary just means nostalgic for a time that you've never actually experienced. Frosty, yeah, you I want can to just say... Like, touch upon it. Yeah, you want to f- touch upon that? So kind of reiterate what you said. Nostalgia may have had a bad reputation in the past, like mm-hmm. what you said in the beginning. And anamoya is probably more akin to what we're feeling than nostalgia, because we're never there to experience that era. But it can have positive effects on it, like... Mm-hmm. Thinking about the future, setting new goals, going through new experiences. This is because that stabilizing force that Mamadou spoke of that allows us to push ourselves forward with a personal continuity. So because we have these positive experiences, we're more confident in proceeding with our decision-making process. So Yeah, well said. Again. Yeah, you, and you also have like an article that you wanted to talk about as well. Yes, I do. I mean, it's like very interesting stuff. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was looking it so, over... And, like, I was just kind of skimming it. Like, you've definitely it's actually... It's kind of like, like taking, like, how nostalgia fuels creativity. Ah. So, of course, it was, like, talking about, like, the past, fond memories, and oh, all that. Oh, who's the research by again? Oh, yeah, it's, uh... So Van Tilburg, Sedekitis, mm-hmm. and Wildshoot. So, it's, like, an actual research paper. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia fosters creativity through openness to experience. Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. Right. It's like a seven-page article. It was all done in the University of Southampton. So I'll I'll just kind of like read off what it says. Nostalgia has suffered an undeserved bad reputation. It goes on to say, Our research contributes to the rehabilitation of nostalgia by illustrating its creative enhancing potential. So creativity is key in human development and societal progress. The capacity to be playful and inventive with ideas stands at the root of major scientific discoveries and cultural achievements. Nostalgia's potential to foster creativity is exciting and promising. Nostalgia features regularly topic within creative works. However, rather than examining nostalgia as featured in creative expressions, we focused on nostalgia's impact on creativity. This suggests an interesting direction for future research. Could these two roles, nostalgic as topic of creative work and nostalgia as a creative a source of creativity, strengthen each other? Would the nostalgia present in, for example, literary works of Homer, Dostoevsky, and Wordsworth be a potent source of creativity? By identifying nostalgia as a fountain of creativity, our research enables forays into examinations, the role of nostalgic art as an impetus for creative endeavor. Wow. So, but, yeah. How did they measure this? Like, how did they... I only got to, like, the implications, limitations, and the future directions. So, like, the conclusions that they had. But, like, how did they come up with this can... theory? Like, what did they ask the people to do? Yeah, so I'll go through, like, that... 
I'll go through the actual numbers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So for two of the experiments, the researchers asked 175 participants to conjure up a nostalgic memory, which they defined as a memory that triggers a sentimental longing or wistful affection to the past. Mm -hmm. They told the group to think of like an ordinary memory. So then they asked the participants to write stories that either included a princess, a cat, or a race car, or start with the sentence, one cold winter evening, a man and woman were alarmed by the sound coming from a nearby house. So the ones who reminisced nostalgically scored higher in linguistic creativity than those who recalled ordinary memories. So that's just one part. Okay, is that the first study that they did? Because I know they did like four, right? Yeah, they started with two different ones. Is it just all like creative writing studies? Yeah, you can say that. Okay, uh, they got all these participants. Uh, like, what were the points of the creative study? Like, like, like the writing study. Like, what did they ascertain from it? Like, what did they? I'll kind of just like read the other thing. So, sure. We proposed and tested the hypotheses that nostalgia fosters creativity. In experience one and two, we examined whether nostalgia increases creativity. Nostalgia relative to control sparked creative prose in a writing task. We proceeded to test the mediating role of openness to experience. As hypothesized, openness to experience emerged as a plausible mediator of nostalgia's positive influence on creativity in experiment three. So finally, in experiment four, nostalgia mediated by the openness boosted creativity above and beyond positive effect. The findings showcased the relevance of nostalgic reverie for the past and present and future and established nostalgia as a force of creative endeavors. Mm. In layman's terms. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, like, I've been listening, but like at the same time, like, there's some things I didn't quite fully understand. Dumb it down for my level. <laughs> I'm not as smart as them. <laughs> so basically, talking about like the positive influence on creativity. Okay. So openness has a bigger effect than positivity, I guess. Basically, like even negative things can can help. Negative, negative emotions, negative uh, memories. Yeah, you, I could say like uh, memories. So negative memories help if you're open to them. I guess if you accept like them and try to think of them as like a learning experience. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Maybe if like you didn't quite win at something, maybe like you maybe you lost at like a Smash Bros tournament or something. And you were trying to get first place, but you ended up getting, like, second. If anything, that just kind of fuels you to keep going. Like, you're still hungry like a wolf to get that first place prize. Whereas the person in first place might just kind of, like, coast off. The nostalgic feeling of almost making it, but never there yet, could kind of drive you. And Right. Okay, okay, okay. Because you're open to still learning, and you're still... Uh, experiencing exactly. more. So that could be applied to creative writing. Mm-hmm. Like you could talk about like kind of like people do it all the time, like in books, like they write about like negative experiences and even positive ones. They're just okay. like I mean um, maybe look at like it's songs like an as well. Inspiration. Yeah. Maybe like look at songs as well where people are like to just kinda of talk about being like I was shit on and like no one believed me, but fucking look at me now. Now they always say congratulations. They never say I had a, you know that that um. I like that. Uh, I can talk about like one that's like a negative experience, but they use that or like further. the one that like sorry what? I mean, if you heard the Offspring song Go- "Gone Away," I know of the Offspring's, but I don't quite remember. I, oh, it's like it's an amazing song. I know that song like uh. Nothing's free 
Yeah. Dreams. I mean, just like you can kind of just give it like a quick listen and. Yeah, hold on. What was it called again? Offspring. Gone away. Gone away. Yep. Won't. It's called won't back down. Anna won't back down. And uh, yeah, Tom no. Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, essentially, like you know, you you know you you get shit on, but at the same time, because now you have all these people that don't want you to succeed, you just kind of want to be pushed further to doing so. Now you're just like, oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna prove this fucking asshole wrong. <laughs> uh, let's name him. I don't know, Craig. Craig, I'm gonna prove this asshole Craig wrong. And I'm going to show him. I'm going to be the best person out there. It kind of reminds me of like this one Game Grumps thing where <laughs> the word, the idea talent is such a defeatist word. Yeah. Right? Uh, he was playing Sonic in, Sonic Unleashed, if, if I can remember. <laughs> so, or Sonic in the Black Knight. No, no, it was, it was Sonic Unleashed because he was the were, were, Werehog. Which doesn't make sense because like Werehog <laughs> means human yeah, hog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I is know, much I more know. akin to like the, the first illustration of the sonic but uh aaron was like talent is such a defeatist word it's like oh i can't make it because someone's way more talented than me of course someone's gonna be more talented than you 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 just started you just you know everyone has like a, a day one everyone has their like their day of drawing stick men no one's gonna be amazing no one's gonna be like da vinci right away <laughs> right no one comes out of the pussy drawn mozart you know if you want something enough you should you should try to go and fight for it right uh, I mean, this is a kind of pull away from the whole nostalgia talk that we're talking about. But I just kind of want to add that whole like little, yeah, if even negative affiliations of nostalgia can help. Yeah. So and, if you like listen to like the first, I don't know, like 45 seconds or whatever, you'll see what I mean. Of, uh, off Gone away. Yeah. Yeah. It always, always uh, it has like the, the motivational feeling. Like it feels like heaven's so far away. And it feels like the world's gone, grown cold, and you've gone away. Yeah, I guess all in the idea. I, I haven't read the, or I haven't looked at the entire song. I reach out to well, the sky and call your name. Oh, please let me trade. I would. Okay, so I, I guess um, some guy's longing for a person that's maybe gone already. Yeah, definitely gone. And uh, either dead or just not in their life anymore. Maybe she's just like. I'm leaving you. Fuck off. But like, he wants to get back to that place. He wants to get back to, um, well, going back to the home, like the homecoming that she was his home, but also wants to create that future with her. I guess if that, if that makes any sort of sense. And if that chance is gone, then he like still talks about, look, it's something that they wanted, but fate is cruel or something like that. I don't know. Right. There's the one song by Post Malone, you know, uh, very reminiscent to like what we were talking about, like the whole like even negative emotions can actually cause positivity to push and drive you further. Um, the whole song "Congratulations" is this whole motif, right? Uh, he's just like they was never friendly. Now I'm jump jumping out with Bentley. Now I sound so- too dramatic, but like, but he goes off to like naming like oh yeah, well all these people that never actually believed in me before. Now they're like, oh my god, I knew Post Malone back then. Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh, he hasn't yeah. gone so well. That's literally the whole thing of the song. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't believe in the whole like 
talent thing. I'm just gonna work hard for my shit. I mean, I don't even care. I'm as long as I'm doing what I'm doing now, I'm good. I think. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Just keep going. Exactly. Oh, so David Stewart. He's an author. He's a. He's a. He he does a whole bunch of like science fiction books. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff. I've never read any of it, but like I, I thought so. maybe like you might because you're a writer yourself. Like he calls upon a lot of times where like a lot of people post things on Facebook to reminisce about like oh like remember those times where you're like playing video games and like had a ball with your friends and then you always wanted to go back to those times. Like those posts on Facebook always say like hey remember those times? Yeah, your your life is never going to be as good ever again. Bullshit because your life is way better now than it was back then at least exactly. generally i think because as we grow older we usually have more control over our circumstances we generally have more money we have more i guess leisure and time we're not like depends on the person but we may not be as beholden to certain obligations like there are people that work crazy amounts of hours especially in the animation industry like okay. i was like that for like at least five years and then i was just like no i'm not gonna do this i'm just gonna i want to make sure that i'm working on my own craft outside of work hence i don't know a whole bunch of all this other shit i'm doing now but david's response is the same thing but david's response is that his life and by proxy the lives of a lot of people almost all of our lives have never been better than it is because we have all these opportunities afforded to us through the convenience of say the internet or having a phone or all that and it may have been fun to play games but that might just be scratching an itch that you probably never had like um before i don't know about you but i played a lot of video games by myself like I've, and to this day i still kind of do like, i play a lot of like i'm revisiting persona 4 yeah I, i've done the same yeah I'm, I'm playing paper mario right now like i tried streaming paper mario but i realized i mostly enjoy it when i'm by myself because I can just kind of be like in the moment and be like, <laughs> these guys make dick jokes. And I could be silly like that. Whereas like, you know, if I feel like if I, if I have a camera on me or I have to be a personality and that means I'm not right. I'm not reading the text as I should. You know, back then, wh why did I feel that way? Why, why did I want to play a lot of video games? It's because it was a form of escapism. David Stewart postulates that maybe back then when we were playing video games, it might not be as good of a memory because when we think of memories when we think of nostalgic things we tend to block out all the bad things about it right and this is scientifically a thing what's happening now the, this is the, the whole like oh yeah no like all these like the animoia, animoia. The, yeah the the feeling of longing for a time that you weren't there oh the the golden ages are great but you forget that that there's also a whole bunch of racism at the time we push away all the bad things but only remember the good parts that's the same with our memory. Uh, at the time, I think like, oh, I don't have enough time to play video games. Well, back then, I was playing by myself because I was a loner. I want to, you know, explore other worlds. I want to explore other experiences. I want to, I want to have stories to read and know about. I'm always not much of a reader, but put it in like you know text format in a video game. I could eat that up all day. So, you know, back then I was looking for escapism, which David postulates that if we're looking for something like that now, that means there's something wrong or something missing in our own lives, right? 
Maybe it's um, right. that escapism. Maybe like you had that time and you don't have that time now, right? Maybe it's just like being able to hang out with your friends and you don't have that time. So you're just like, I miss, you know, just playing video games. I don't care if I win or loss, but like... It's more about the experience, right? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people feel nostalgic for like different things. And that should point you in the direction like, okay, well, is it the loneliness? Is it like being able to like hang out with people? Because you can always meet new people, right? Right. You can always try to, you know, I know it's hard. I know it's very, very hard, but you can always try to like ask a friend to hang out. It's always the, it's, it's the hardest thing to do because you always don't want to feel like you're a burden on them. But like at the same time, if you want to ask, if just ask them like, "Hey, uh, being straight up here, I kind of miss you. I want to hang out with you. You want to hang out sometime?" Yeah, even though times are tough now, you like exactly <laughs> like. I mean, I like get that a lot. Like, right I, now. I, I, like, I usually tell myself like, like, "I, well, yeah." There's the whole like COVID thing, but there's also like, I miss people. I, I miss a lot of my friends, and I want to hang out with them. But at the same time, I'm also busy, so I kind of use the excuse of being busy to excuse the fact that I miss my friends. Like, okay, well. Once I free myself up and I'm not as busy, then I can ask you to ask my friends. So so there's like a a hierarchy. So I'm just kind of filling that hierarchy. I'm trying to make myself not busy first. And then once I can do that, then I can actually ask friends if they want to hang out. But if you don't have the same kind of like problems as me, maybe you're not as busy and you just like want to hang out, ask your friends by all means. The worst they can do is say no, but the medium halfway thing they could do is maybe they could be like, oh, well, how about we meet, meet halfway and be like, I'm not busy this time. Like, I'm busy right now. This week, maybe I can't do it immediately, but I can hang out maybe next week, which is, by all means, a win in my books. Right? So if you ever want to hang out with people, do that. Like, you ever feel nostalgic for your time? That's telling you something deeper than yourself that you can always kind of like work on it's usually something social usually right it works in the same way like i guess regret does where you're like i guess like oh, frosty over here says like like you you would have wanted to make like a different decision right like oh well, i should have done this right well why not do this that's exactly like you just gotta do it sometimes exactly just go out there but yeah i think that's gonna be the end of today's podcast <laughs> hope you guys learned something yeah uh, we, we went into like a whole bunch of like important. crazy topics i know we went to like the history but we also, we also went into like frosty's like um like research article here okay yes, so for now, I, I'm i think gonna, we're, we're okay. good okay okay I'll, I'll, long I'll, story short is keep doing what you want to do don't if you have to recall memories to like i don't know feel your creativity Go for it. Exactly. What do you gotta lose? Exactly. Like, Why not? Even uh, traumatic I mean, like, don't like, don't let nostalgia fully dictate everything about your life. Like, look look at like the good things and look at the bad things. What can you learn from it, right? Like, don't try exactly. to avoid it. Actually, like, address it early on, and or like, don't be like America. <laughs> don't hide things under a rug, right? But, be open, right? Yeah, exactly. But I hope you guys get a great night's sleep and a good morning waking up. Let me know how your day is on Discord. And if there's anything else interesting, cool, 
or I don't know something you're like you looking want forward to. Them. Feel free. Yeah, just l- let us know. Like I would <laughs> love to know that. Just put it up on our Discord. We'll put it up on our on the links down below. But thank you so much for watching or hanging out. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll see you guys later. Time. Frosty. So, Stay frosty, my friends. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Have a good night.